0: So uh, I think it's Saturday, and uh, no it's not, it's Friday, um, January the 20th, but you know days and time really don't matter out here. You can probably hear the wind screeching through a small acacia bush just behind me, I'm sitting in the middle of a gravel plain with a blanket over my head trying to kill the wind so I can get this podcast out, Um, because the wind has swung around from the north to the south, the temperatures have risen, and... um, life is a bit more comfortable after the cold uh, nights of the last uh, 48, 72 hours. So first of all, a quick update on the team. Um, I am progressively better. Um, Anna, poor girl, is now on a dose of antibiotics from the local pharmacy and uh, still cannot speak uh, very well at all. Um, But she has a bit more energy about her too. So hopefully in a couple of days she she will be on the road to recovery. Alan and Reem are obviously made of much tougher stuff than um, Anna and I. But uh, we're all in good spirits. It's uh, day five. We're kind of a third of the way through, the second leg of our journey from Riyadh to Jeddah. And, you know, the standout from yesterday really has to be the the, the beautiful granite scenery that Reem and I walked through for much of the day. And as we did so, looming larger in the distance, this long line of mountains which Philby, Said stretched up to 6,000 feet altitude, Jebel Dank, and uh, that was our target yesterday. Uh, We reached there about an hour and a half before sunset, and I have to say it was probably so far the most beautiful campsite we've had on the journey. It's it's rained a lot. Um, You know, those of you following the podcast will know that we had a a, a lot of rain on the first day, Um, and it's clearly rained a lot here too. Uh, We Camped in the bottom of a wadi bed last night in a in a in a valley uh, between these high mountains. Uh, it, it, the ground around was quite muddy still, but we we're able to find some low gravel terraces onto which we put our tents and our tables to settle down for a beautiful night under some large acacia trees. Uh, beautiful, beautiful spot. Ravens, crag martins, uh, more shrikes. Um, eagles, a couple of old ancient burial mounds on the top of the mountains above us looking down and a lovely sunset and an almost no moon now. And just a sliver of a crescent which will disappear we think probably tonight or tomorrow. So the stars last night were absolutely amazing. Jupiter, um, Venus and Saturn were all, all very very bright in the sky. It's the first com- completely clear night we've had. So a, a star-filled sky all night not a single cloud uh, in any direction so it was a beautiful night several degrees warmer because the winds had shifted so everyone was much more comfortable so after we'd sat around the fire for uh, an hour last night (coughs) excuse me talking about uh, Philby um, we all um, wriggled into various sleeping bags and settled down for a a lovely and well-deserved night's sleep and you know the the wet ground uh, was it was an issue for Philby too when he was traveling. Camels don't like traveling on wet ground and um, their pads give them no grip at all and if they slip on the mud uh, and it does get very very muddy it sticks to vehicle tires so much that the wheels won't even go around under the arches it's it's just like wallpaper paste and porridge all mixed together so it's horrible stuff to drive over it's even worse to ride a camel over because a the camels sink they don't like that sinking feeling but also it sticks to their uh, it sticks to their um, pads on their feet but also if they slip and lose their balance there's absolutely no way you're going to get it up again because you can't get a vehicle anywhere near it in that uh, with that ground surface and i recall the camels we had loaned to us from the royal oman cavalry many years ago when we crossed the empty quarter from salala to doha those camels were worth about um 15, pounds each and we had four of them uh, so there were a lot of money to lose and and to abandon um so you know traveling through such terrain is very difficult but it has its advantages and philby commented in his book so philby we were uh, Alan and the team are now they have an old black and white photograph taken by Philby in nineteen seventeen whilst I'm doing this podcast they' out right now zigzagging around trying to find the exact spot where he stood to take that photograph of jebel Damk um uh, but f- there were advantages for Philby you know if you come to a water hole when you're driving through sand desert, it can take half a day to lower a um a goatskin bag down a well and uh, water your camels most of it leaking out by the time you've pulled the the goatskin up to the surface of the well um, but because there was such plentiful water in puddles the camels were able to drink and, and take their fill as they traveled so they were able to they weren't losing so much time uh, so I guess that was uh, that was a bonus uh, a couple of days ago, we said farewell to uh, three lads from the Saudi press agency who'd been with us from when we set off from Riyadh. And uh, one of them was uh, a wonderful poet, um, Talal Al-Anazi. And uh, Talal would um, serenade us with poems around the fire and uh, as we were walking. And uh, poor Reem is exhausted having to translate all this. But, you know, he spoke about... Um His faith in God, and how his time here on earth is only temporary, but therefore he wants to um be as good a person as he can in that time but but where he but he also spoke about how he found peace and serenity being out in the desert and the simplicity of life and uh and I think that 's what motivates the four of us anna anna um, Reem, uh Alan, and myself we all enjoy the environment in which we're living and travelling. And um you know, some sad news reached me the other day that um a friend of a very good friend of mine um sadly took their own life um at the tender tender age of in the twenties, which is far far too young for anything like that. And it just made me ponder and reflect on <coughs> on the value of the outdoors for our mental health and our mental well being. And you know there's more and more evidence out there of the more time we spend in nature, the better it is for our mental health and how modern society is actually taking us away from that nature connectedness um so we are we are we are totally immersed in nature here so and it does give you um wonderful time to reflect and and it's a great place for not just um putting things into context, but also, you know, just reflecting and and planning ahead and just, just putting things into, um, into their rightful place and, and issues that seem big issues after a couple of days out here, really, you know what, they're not, they're not, they're not such big issues after all. And, uh, if I, if I think of an organization that does incredible work with young people, um, using wilderness and wild places for to develop not not necessarily skills future skills and resilience but but just to enable them to um come up with a toolkit to overcome challenges <coughs> in their lives it's a, it's an organization called the wilderness foundation in the uk and i think they're based down somewhere down in the southeast essex or kent and it's run by an extraordinary lady called joe roberts and i met joe many years ago we spoke together at a World Wilderness Congress lecture in Salamanca in Spain and Salamanca University in Spain prides itself on being one of the oldest universities in the world but uh, I was able to correct uh, that by pointing out that the humble fireplace around which we sat last night is much much older and for thousands of years people have sat around the fireplace in the desert um, discussing issues, uh, resolving disputes, um, and just putting the world to rights. Really. So, as far as I'm concerned, we are at uh, when we sit around that fireplace. We are at we are gathered at the University of the Desert, and and Joe Roberts it, it does some brilliant stuff with really um, really underprivileged young people in 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 Britain, um, taking them outdoors, taking them to Scotland well out of their comfort zones where they just develop a bit of self-esteem and self-confidence um, and Joe is a pass, past master at this so I was able to send one of my fantastic staff at Outward Bound Oman, Sakaina El Haddad. Sakaina was lucky enough to go to UK and uh, she traveled with Joe and her team and a team of young people to Scotland. They spent five days on expedition in Scotland and uh, Sakaina was able to um, take that experience um, and to translate it back here to where I live and work in Oman and now we use the desert as a place to address um, mental well-being issues and I know back in Oman the team are busy running courses now for young people whose houses and homes were devastated by uh, a cyclone that clattered into the coast of Oman several years ago so you know the outdoors is a pretty unique um, a pretty unique place to be able to try and resolve internal conflict and I, and I think when i listened to joe roberts talking she got her inspiration from an extraordinary man called dr ian player and you know i'm 61 and when i grew up there was a guy playing golf called gary player who was uh, a bit of a pin-up superstar at the time in the golfing world and uh, but his brother is was much less well known but doing much greater things in my opinion because his brother um dr ian player was a white South African, his best mate was a Zulu guy, and together they 'd just go into the bush and they would sit on a rock and and use the simplicity but the power of nature just to just to try and work out where South Africa was going wrong, where apartheid was going and they didn 't just talk about negativity; they tried to find a solution, and that solution was to take to create something called the wilderness. Uh, leadership school and uh, together they took mixed groups of black and white young people from um, South Africa into the bush for five or six days for what was an incredibly transformative experience initially uh, the two um, groups would not even speak to each other Um, but when you realize that the only thing that's going to keep the hyenas away at night is that if one of you sits up and keeps the fire lit and keeps that fire burning and you're you're going to take it in turns an hour at a time then slowly slowly the trust and the friendship develops and that great idea that germ of an idea has really flourished the wilderness wilderness leadership school i think in the old days it was around the umfalose river where they used to do these what they call wilderness trails very very successful part of the healing of uh, south africa and i know Jo uses that a lot for her inspiration for the great work that she does with the wilderness foundation in the uk and we've tried to learn from that and bring um bring that learning to uh, the deserts of oman and you know in addition to a place to work out what's going on in your own head it's a great place to um Take young people away from the distractions of everyday life, away from computers, away from phones. Um, so it's a great place for peace building, too, and that's a great project that we have done uh, over the years in Oman, um, a big project now endorsed by UNESCO and the United Nations Alliance of Civilizations in New York. And uh, it was this concept of the University of the Desert that developed into a program that now has several hundred alumni. We take fantastically motivated young people not necessarily academically gifted but people who we believe can make a difference to society in the future and we'll have 18 people from 18 different nations half from arab states half from sort of inverted commas western world so you might have a young brit sitting next to a young iranian sitting next to a young um, american sitting next to a young yemeni and so on and it makes for an incredibly rich experience. I was a teacher for 20 years and those five days on the courses at University of the Desert are the most powerful thing I've ever seen educationally. Um, pride of in my home in Muscat is a Nansen sled. It's about five or six metres long. It's a beautiful wooden sled. It came with me to the Arctic. I believe it's the only one probably in the Middle East. Why else would you have a sled in the Middle East? But uh, this sled comes from Antarctica and it was given to me by uh, a very famous polar explorer called Jeff Summers, who is absolutely legendary. Jeff was one of the last people to drive dog teams in Antarctica. And when Jeff um, found out that I was going to the Arctic for a year, he very kindly took me out to his garage, showed me this nansen sled that he'd driven in antarctica which he'd, he'd uh, lovingly dismantled and stored very carefully i took that to tetbury in gloucestershire a man called roger danes reassembled it for me put new runners on the bottom so that sled was with me for a year in the arctic so when i came out to oman 18 years ago i couldn't bear to leave it so it now um, occupies pride of place in my lounge in muscat but that sled is the design of, a, of an explorer, a Norwegian explorer, the Norwegians know one or two things about travelling in snow, uh, of a man called Fridtjof Nansen. and Nansen was an incredible um, polar explorer who went on to be um, a great diplomat and a, even a, a Nobel Prize winner. <clears throat> and it was Nansen that said something along the lines of, um, I tell you deliverance will not come from the noisy rushing centres of civilization the solutions will come from the lonely places and i believe what he's saying there is the same as kurt hahn Gordonston, and creator of outward bound is saying when he says that any outward bound course has to have a a time within the course where people can sit down and try and make sense of it all make sense of all the learning that's going on so in in outward bound terms we call that the solo and i think what nansen is saying is, is exactly that you know we're so immersed and surrounded by noise, 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 that we all need time to step out of of that noise and uh, to put life in perspective. And from those places where you think and have the space to think, then the solutions will come. So the next day uh, for us now, we're, we're gonna plow on. Now, Reem and I have, have walked this morning around the base of Jebel Dank. We're now just searching for the location where um, where Philby took his photograph in 1917. Within just uh, Alan and uh, Anna have now called us up, and we're gonna uh, jump in the vehicles to cover a bit of ground uh, onto tonight's campsite. And uh, um, tonight, I'm told, is going to be even more beautiful than last night, so and that's going to take some beating. So, um, I think we're going to be have no signal for the next few days so we will keep the podcast going uh so it might be a bit of a gap before before you hear the next one